Um, I always thought school was a joke because I liked just breaking the rules because rules are meant to be broken and bent and trying to manipulate them to do whatever you want to do, except no one could really get mad at me because I wasn't technically wrong, but I also wasn't right. So it was always some gray area and I was trying to play that gray area for the longest time. So just trying to test people, testing authority because authority is just keeping you in line. That's all it is. Hey, be like these people because it's easier to manage. Uh, no. <laughs> so yeah, that, that I had issues with like that. Uh, let's see. Um, never really understood math uh, when I was younger because it was never taught to me the right way. Uh, they never gave me a reason why I was doing it. So I saw no purpose in learning it. That's why I struggled because there was no reason to do it. Uh, until I got into like physics and like, you know, advanced chemistry and stuff like that. That's when there was something applicable. Um, that's when I was able to learn it because I was using it for something. But really, if I want to start back to where I was, um, I was just playing golf and playing cello when I was a kid. Uh, I was messing up a lot. So, you know, I, I used to break the law because it was fun um, simply because I wanted to watch the world burn. I'm not even kidding. I grew up in a perfectly fine household. It wasn't the way I was raised. It's just because I was way too smart for my environment. That was the problem. And I didn't have anything, any outlets or any friends who would actually benefit my growth in that area. So I would just mess around doing the stupidest things. Made a lot of poor decisions, went very broke. Um, and I, I just made a lot of mistakes. Uh, from there, I went to college. So I went to RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology. Um, I went for a major in graphic design, minor in advertising and PR. Um, I specialize in graphic design for user, user experience and user interface. The reason I went to design school and not engineering school is because I can learn engineering from a book. It's pretty easy because the reason schools exist is because people need to sit in an environment and get herded like cattle to try to learn something, but I was always enabled to learn stuff myself. So schools are ridiculous unless you're doing something hands-on, such as design. You cannot, you can read about design in a book all you want, but no matter how much you know about design, you're still going to suck at it unless you do it. So I wanted 100%. something experiential that was highly applicable to everything that I was going to be doing later in life. So um, I love that. And skills up to, too. Like that's such a different, a different methodology too. And it's what obviously I think why we connect so well is because knowledge down education just that makes no sense. You can get it from a book, you can Google it, but skills up, like you said, get your hands dirty, experiential. That's how your brain works. It's how your nervous system works. It just, it, it it makes more sense. It's so much exactly. Difference. That's just the way that I saw it too. Uh, well, mm -hmm. I thought college was easy. Um, I almost got kicked out. Funny, funny story. I was a party animal. So uh, there was that. So almost got kicked <laughs> out, except I found an inconsistency with uh, the school's funding. So it was either they let me continue going or I could sue them for um, denying me the right to an attorney because they accidentally accepted $1,500 of state funding. So they had to follow state rules instead of private school rules when it came to the, uh, the legal stuff. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. You would be the guy that figures that out, bro. I love yeah. that. Yeah, there it is. But besides that, um, yeah, I graduated and worked in custom <laughs> software development. I worked the entire time I was in college, like full-time in whatever profession. I, I was in uh, advertising, communications. I was in uh, just regular design, marketing, uh, then found out I hated advertising because it's the worst, most awful thing in the world. Uh, then I got into custom development for software. Loved that. And then uh, it's pretty much moved on from there. Worked for a company for a while. And then I started my own. Uh, got laid off because the company made poor decisions. 85% uh, of their staff got laid off. And I said, you know what, fuck it. Holy I could do it crap. bigger, I could do it better, I could do it better. And so that, was that your kind of, that, the, the call to adventure, like the handout, like, all right, let's go, let's go do this. Or was there a more specific point where you were like, okay, like, I'm gonna do this. Like, I'm definitely starting this company. 
Well, no, I just knew I was going to, but I thought I was going to do it when, if I didn't get laid off, I would have still been working there. But I wanted to do it when I was like, what, like 35, 37. I was like, oh, I got to do it later in life, but I'm never, I've never been happier doing it sooner. But I've always wanted to be successful. I've wanted to be in Forbes 30 under 30 since I was 15 years old, and I'm going to get there or die trying. My man, I like that. So then for people, like, was there any, as that, that call to adventure, right? It's not always an easy one going out on your own. Uh, for younger people, especially... <laughs> These are our people uh, that are a little bit nervous, worried, anxious, scared about a decision like that. What are what, what are some suggestions or thoughts that you'd help them well, with? Well, first, I would just say to them that fear doesn't mean anything. Fear is based off of the inability to choose and the fear of the unknown. So you don't know where you're going and you're not sure what you want. So figuring out what you want. So it's, it's the three door method. The same thing that Sean Storm says is that it is first. So what is it? What is the vision? And then does your vision have a purpose? What is your purpose? And then what is your mission? It follows that. Usually people go, okay, what's your vision? What's your mission? They're, they're, they're forgetting about purpose. You right. need to find purpose right. in what you're doing. Find out what you love, get damn good at it, strengthen those skills, and then turn it into a business. If you could do that, you can make it. So then purpose for you, uh, between partying and, and suing your college, when, when, when did that purpose become apparent for you? And do, do you have it to a sentence? Or, I always, or... I always inherently knew. I just knew that I was destined for something. I just knew. Oh yeah. I like that feeling. <laughs> that, that's a good one. Um, and so when did you figure out, or I guess that kind of the next question is mentors, right? Who was your Obi-Wan? Who was your Yoda? Um, who is, if you're Spider-Man, who is your Iron Man? Do you have any mentors, key mentors, maybe one or two um, that, that really helped you along this journey? Oh yeah, for sure. So I can give a big shout out and thanks to Marcus Kauke. Um, he's now on my board as a board member. He's absolutely incredible. Um, oh, and I know that you have a pretty good relationship with him too. Um, George Saragusa, he's a, um, a professor over at uh, George Mason University. Um, he's, he's done quite a bit talking to me and everything kind of as an advisor, but really someone to talk to. Uh, he's worked with Exxon since like the beginning of time. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. yeah. He's like a colonel uh, in the U.S. Navy and all that no good way. stuff. That's cool. <clears throat> yeah, the guy's awesome. Um, another one would be Scott. Uh, Scott is a, uh, he's a, a local angel investor um, around this area. And um, he's the one who tried getting me to get angel funding and by telling me how it worked, talked me out of it. <laughs> no way. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah. He was like, your company can't be worth that much that quickly. That's impossible. I was like, you watch. And he, yeah, <laughs> I was right. Hit the benchmark. Give me a scoreboard. <clears throat> there it I is. Like um, and then there are plenty of others too, like um, Andres Arango and... Um, and Annette Draper, they are uh, two of the top uh, 20 protégés uh, under Bob Proctor. So they are directly oh, wow. my mentors and advisors. So I'm right underneath them. That is awesome. And so what role have, have those types of people played for you in this journey, for your company, for your team, that kind of stuff, like mentors um, in general? So when it came to the structure and the setup and getting us to where we need to go with all the pivots and stuff, that was definitely Scott. Um, and it was definitely us. It was launched Chapel Hill alone, just that accelerator. Uh, except I don't like how accelerators are just like around like, oh, if you don't get funding, you can't do shit. No, we did a bootstrap. We had $10,000 and a lot of fucking determination. You don't need money from anybody. And all they do is steal your company from under your feet. And they say, what's your exit plan? I don't want to exit. I want to dominate. I don't care about your little payout. I could deal with it. I took no paycheck for a year and six months. All I did was play the stock market to keep myself alive. That's it. That's all you got to do. Um, 
just deal with it. I've had nothing. I've had absolutely nothing. There's nothing less than I can have than I've had before. So I've got nothing to lose. Um, Does that but, come uh, from that mentality come from that come from being at the rock bottom or where, where does that hard nose? Not everyone's like that. Right. I, and not everyone can kind of. Well, not everybody became a drug that. addict and lived under a bridge. Right. And is that, is that experience what shaped the mentality you have now? Oh, yeah. No, you can't get lower than that. 100%. So then what was it like crossing that, that, that threshold from in that moment? When, when in the moment, drug addict under, was there a moment where you're like, crap, I, I need to get what the hell? Or was there a mentor? What was, how'd you jump out of that? That's awesome. So, that's an interesting story. So what happened is that uh, I was partying in college and then I actually did bad drugs od'd and then it literally killed me so i died and then i got resurrected by the doctors and when i came back it came back a different person i went from destructive crazy person to completely calm cool collected and knew exactly where i needed to go i don't know what that means i don't know why that happened but i converted to buddhism right then and there as soon as i came out of it and i knew exactly what i needed to do and buddha and what was there a specific reason for that or what what was the from my experience they had it right not directly, but you just become one with the energy of everything else. And it's complete bliss. There's not nothing. There's not anything either. There's, there's not any from just from my experience, everybody's different, but um, you just, it's, you're just at peace with anything and everything that's ever happened in any time. Um, so I guess that's where, and then when it came to uh, back to your question uh, with the mentors, when it came to mindset, mindset coaching all came from, of course, um, uh, Annette and Andres because they're Bob Proctor proteges right so and and for people who don't know bob proctor and that kind of stuff tell us a little bit about if you want to go into bob cool but if you want to go into some of the stuff that he talks about um maybe some of the core thinking philosophies and methodologies yep yep thinking um, in the results so if you think it you can make it happen um to me this is kind of my own thought process but there are two truths in this world there's i can and there's i can't that's it there's two they're both synonymously true but the one that you choose to believe is the one that's true. It's not about the how. The how is a delta. It's always changing. That's also something in thinking results. The how is a delta. It's always changing. Don't worry about the how. You need to resonate to the vibration of what you're doing, where you need to go, where you need to be. You need to you need to believe and and know that you're already there. The how is just a barrier. You're just going through it. It doesn't matter how because the how is always changing in the first place. If you're worried about the how, you're going to run in circles the rest of your life. You're here. You need to get here. If you're down here, you're never going to hit there. So yes, I'm already there. And then you will meet the objective always. It doesn't matter what the trials and tribulations in between are. You're, you're going to get there. That's awesome. Uh, and I feel like that that's something that if you haven't checked out, if you don't yeah. know about Proctor is or thinking the results, just quick YouTube and I, you will have yeah. first click on the first video. That's all you need Your to know. mind manifests results. It's thinking yep. about what the result will be. You manifest it. You meditate on it. You see it. You visualize it every single day. You keep telling yourself so a lot of auto suggestion and then you will get there because the biggest thing, the largest barrier to anybody becoming successful is themselves because you tell yourself you can't do it or you've been told you can't do it your whole life or you even use the word can't. Can't is a terrible word. There is right. no can't. There's can and then there's not. You don't make it a can't because I will not do that or I can do that those are the two things. There is no can't. Can't is a fabrication. And people have said, no, you can't do that. No, 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 no. They told you that your whole life. So you feel like you cannot do things that you choose to do because it's out of the norm. Guess right. what? Things that are out of the norm or anybody who's ever done anything in this entire world, half the people who have ever accomplished something are batshit fucking crazy. 
<laughs> and that's what you need to be. That's what it takes. Who is it that said uh, the ones who are crazy enough to change, think that they can change the world, the ones that end up do doing it? I forgot who that was. Is that Steve Jobs? But that, that's what that kind of reminds me of. Well, yeah, there's thinkers, then there's doers. Uh, so it's the knowing doing gap. I know I could do this. Okay, so do it. Uh, yeah, where's the execution? There is no execution. You can know uh, everything in the world. That's why education is sometimes painful to people because they know everything. They have a PhD. They know so much. And all they're doing is being a little lab rat for someone else who doesn't know anything about anything that's just driving it through the through the roof just for, for profit. When if that person didn't, if they just stopped thinking, oh, no, 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 I'm just good in the lab. I'm happy here. You're not happy there. People inherently want more. You always want more. That is human nature. Greed. And not greed in a bad way, not in a bad way. It's not bad to be greedy. It's just that it's your nature. You want more because you can always do more. You can always do better. You can always get more. You can always have more stuff. You can always achieve more. You can always be higher and higher and higher. And you should always, whenever you, you make an unreachable goal, you reach that goal and then you reach even higher. You pick the next unreachable goal from where you're at. Because Hell as yes. soon as you settle, you start dying. It's, so it's either it's grow or die. 100%. And that's, that's neural. I, I can, from the neuroscience perspective, I can tell you that. Well, the second people stop progressing towards something and don't have a why literally you can watch their brain cells regress back into their skull and die i mean it, it's that that's not some fairy dust that that is a, a truthful line right there i love that um so then let's talk a little bit about um ai too ai and, and artificial intelligence all that kind of stuff it's not every day that uh, people jump into an ai as a service company i know when i heard about it at first I was like, hmm, this is interesting uh, where, where does that come from? Why AI? What is, what, where does the, your, your passion for democratizing this come from? Um, talk about the overlords. You've got to talk about <laughs> the overlords. Sure. I mean, the reason we chose AI is because the last company that I worked at, we worked on a really interesting project. Uh, we were using uh, artificial intelligence and deep learning as well as NLP. Um, deep learning is like hardcore machine learning for those who don't know it. Um, hardcore. Um, and then uh, NLP is natural language processing. That means that you are uh, looking at the human language, processing it and understanding it, right? So uh, we were doing that. We built one of the most advanced transcription softwares that actually would auto-create topics and KPIs and then inject them into something like Atlassian, like Jira. And then uh, in real time during meetings, it would actually create objectives for people to complete that were working like in development roles or like sales roles or whatever. It was wow. really cool. I don't even think that Gong is even where we were at. Uh, we pretty much took IBM's Watson, made it 10 times as powerful, and then cleaned it, and then re pretty much restructured the whole thing with a lot of other technologies. Um, it was absolutely incredible. Uh, but I can't say who bought it or why it's still there or who's using it or anything like that because I'm on a very long NDA. Uh, but it was bought out by a company. But then after that, that company kind of ended, but that gave me my taste into AI and what its capabilities are. So I thought it was awesome. So yeah, why not drive something like that? And at first we didn't even build the technology that we currently have for sales enablement. That's what the market told us they needed because they were, right. the technology we originally built where it's, there's like four years until there's going to even be a demand for that, but we use it all the time. And so why do you think that we built one of the most advanced artificial intelligence systems in a year? How do you think that was possible? Well, it was from the technology we built before to make that possible. There will be demand for it as soon as people actually figure out how to build the shit. Right. No, I know. I love that. And I, I think that that is uh, the, one of the next questions that we kind of have is a cave that you've entered or um, maybe like a landmine that you've stepped on, maybe talking a little bit, because I feel like both our mute Marcus County, a mutual mentor of ours, one of my, my favorite lines he talks about is a lot of entrepreneurs build an elegant solution for a problem that no one has. 
Um, well, and so, yeah. Okay. So if we build it, they will come, you know, that saying that stupid right. dumbass saying that is the biggest fallacy in the entire world. If you build it and they come, it's because you had a lot of fucking publicity around it and you actually prepared and it was all a PR thing. Like if you build a stadium, you talk about that stadium, everything like that. No one's going to go see a sports game. If no sports teams are even playing there, no one knows about it. There's no commercials. They won't even know it's being built. They think it's just another building. They have no idea. So it's, if you build it, they will not come. That's what these enterprises, that's what enterprises do because those dumbasses have enough money to throw shit at the wall until it sticks. And they just build any type of software in existence that does anything. And then they just release it, market the shit out of it, dump millions into it. And then, oh, people are using it. Great. Or, oh, people aren't using this. Let's throw it out, start another one. That's what they're doing. That's not what small businesses can do. They have right. to be really innovative. You need to follow the market, listen to the market. That is my biggest advice is that you listen to what they tell you because they're the ones giving you money. It's not- What does that mean? Like, let's dive into actionable pieces. What does that mean? Does everyone to listen to the market, ethnographics. What does what that, when, when you like, what does that mean to you? How do you do your research? How do you start? How'd you know to dive into sales enablement? Like if you had a nuts and bolts to this, what would that look like? People literally asked us at a conference. We pivoted our technology because people said, can you work with leads? We said, sure. So we started doing lead gen. We realized how fucked up that market is. So we got out <laughs> of lead gen uh, real fast and we pivoted again because people, it, it's not the lead that's the problem. The lead did its job. It's contact information and it's the right person you're getting in touch with. It's the person you want to talk to. The end. It's done its job. Salespeople blade the leads when it's actually the salespeople's fault or it's the fact that they're not tracking data and it's leadership's fault. So leadership, 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 just like Deming so says every single meeting that he was ever in every conference, leadership is the problem because everything flows down from the top. Now, the issue is that they blame the leads. Oh, these lead gen companies are the worst, blah, 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 blah. And they're just, they are just coming up with a scapegoat because they're too blind to see the fact that they have no idea what the fuck they're doing, who they're targeting or whatever. If you ask a CEO of a $500 million company who his target is or, or hers, then they're going to say um, a director at a SaaS company in California that does 10 million or more in revenue. What the fuck is that? That's not a target. That's just like you're, you're putting on a blindfold and then you're spinning in circles and throwing darts until you hit a dartboard. Sure, it might hit, but they don't even know if that's the best target. All they did was throw spaghetti at the wall, see what stuck, and then they're just going after the thing that worked and they're not focused on what didn't work because what didn't work is what's going to build. If you eliminate everything that doesn't work, what does work is the only thing fucking left. And humans have evolved over thousands of years to ignore what didn't work because that's scary. Oh, it didn't work. That We know it's there. Stay away from it. Just focus on this little thing that did work. But what people can't see, why, what AI is so good at, all those patterns, all of those, those, that, those itty bitty pieces of that entire thing, so much of it overlaps and correlates when with what went right and what went wrong. There's so much in common that that gray area needs to be eliminated because there's so much that can go wrong still, or you're just not at the right target entirely. You could be... You know, if, if you, uh, if you throw like a BB at a piece of glass hard enough, it will break it. Eventually, if you hit it in the right spot, maybe it works, but there's a cinder block sitting right next to you. You can give that puppy a little toss. It's going to break the shit out of it. Like it's just, right. it, 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 the obvious thing is right there, except us humans are, us tiny humans are too stupid and too focused to be able to see it. I mean, we evolved for hunting, you know, there's the deer, focus on the deer, kill the deer. And then remember, right. okay, uh, all the trail, the animals traveled this way. What if they don't pop up there next time? Oh no, what do we do? We're all going to starve to death. Like, it's not about the bigger picture. We don't see, the, we don't see the forest through the trees.
Right. I love that. I love, <laughs> I, I, the only time I get as much energy <laughs> talking <laughs> with someone else is with you, my brother. I'm glad that you <laughs> have had a chance to talk much, much more recently too. So um, the so as and I didn't realize. I think when your AI kind of your AI note taker jumped in here, it put us at three. So I'm got got my little countdown timer right now. Um, so we'll do a quick one. Sometimes they upgrade you. So we'll do kind of a quick, quick kind of wrap up and see if it if it doesn't kick us out of here. But um, if it does, then we can still wrap there. Um, but the um, the kind of the last minute question I usually kind of dive into is with all that being said, um, attacking um, the, the sales enablement right now. What's the the last question is the higher plane. What's your higher plane? What's your mission? What are you currently? Um, once you get to that that next level, maybe dive into a little bit about what when the market is ready for that AI, what that would look like, what that higher plan to look like, what the future um, in, it, for you, like what you're becoming. Um, what what is that? Um, for sure. I mean, ultimately, what we want to do is that we want to fix what's broken. Um, so much with sales is easy because everybody's struggling. Um, I mean, even before COVID, everybody was struggling. People don't know how to communicate. It's just a flooded market. We're trying to make it optimized and we're trying to eliminate the noise. If I get another message saying, I'm impressed by your profile, let's connect or oh, I stumbled upon your LinkedIn. I'm literally going to throw my laptop through a fucking window. It's, it's, it's pathetic. It's fucking pathetic what people are doing. Or, you know, they send me a connection request with the actual product offer in it. Like, what are you doing? It's called <laughs> social media, be social. Um, but it's bringing the social element back to it so people can actually have comfortable conversations. They could do business effectively, which will ultimately increase the GDP, overall GDP, because business is happening more efficiently, more effectively when most money that's wasted is actually dumped in a new customer acquisition and sales. So if we fix that, co companies will do better, bigger, badder things. They'll make more money, which means everybody gets higher salaries, which means more people get employed, which means everybody benefits from it. But then we want to move into the team building area of things so people can work more efficiently to together. Sandler statistic, if teams are working effectively together, people like each other. And if uh, their personalities resonate and you build the teams according to that, you have a 427% increase in productivity. Incredible. Wow. Alone is nuts. That's a Sandler statistic. Next is going into directly into from there, HR. So taking HR processes and then just processing that data, taking the bias out of it, where it's not like, okay, how many women are we paying this much? And how many men? Oh, we need to hire more black people. Oh, we need to hire more Indian people. That's all fucked up. It's, it's, it's the anti of the racist, anti-Semitic, whatever issue that we used to have. We're overcompensating now. So it's like, oh, we need more uh, women. We need more black people. We need, that's fucked up. It's just racism the other direction. Stop this nonsense, you know? So it's making it so hire the best person for the best for, for the job because they're culture fit and because they have the skills. Last would be going into the, like, you know, uh, the, the recruiting space, which is what that led into. So the HR is now fixed. So the recruiting can be done efficiently without those pesky recruiters stealing 10% of people's salaries. Hell yeah, I like that. Um, and I love that path too. The, uh, the, the the need is there i would say for sure so the um when you start to dive into some of the other areas especially like recruitment hr all that kind of stuff is that something that you planned out from the beginning is that something that you uh, just come along is it research you've done how do you for i mean again it's we've got younger people watching this how do you get to these places so i just went with it and i went where the market took me i mean i didn't have a mentor until i was in this for about nine months nothing 
I just have a really, really strong drive and initiative. You don't need a mentor to get started, but it's smart to have one because everybody should have a mentor. Even the mentors have mentors, all of them, because you can learn a lot. It's about thinking with more than just one mind, because if everybody thought like I did, that I, I, this, this world would have been destroyed by now, I think, but, um, or we would have moved on to another planet. I don't even know. But uh, it's just, it's self-motivation, self-drive. I actually read this book. It's about the psychology of entrepreneurs. I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. I stole it from somebody, but then I returned it two months later without them ever knowing. <laughs> so I didn't, I, I didn't steal it, I guess. I just borrowed it for an extended period of time and gave it back like secretly. I don't know. Um, I didn't have any money. So, um, but I read it and it's pretty much saying that entrepreneurs are sick in the head. Like it's, it's, you literally are like a form of psychotic where you are willing to risk literally everything when humans are inherently not good at taking risks and they don't like risks, especially when it comes to finances, right? Um, where you're willing to just put it all on the line because of the massive gain that can come out of it. Or for the goal that you have ahead of you, you need an extreme amount of determination. You need a really hard head. You need to be able to get told no you like get it just being used to denial, having that not affect you. People saying you can't do this or, or saying that like, oh, that's ridiculous. You need to just fight through it. But then also having a level of acceptance and um, understanding that it may not work out. So just, it's fine if it doesn't, you just need to keep working toward it and then just keep driving it, driving it, driving it. Even when you think it's dead, you need to drive through it because that's often right before it's actually going to go through. Right when you think it's going to die and you're struggling the most, that's the make it or break it right there. It's either it does die, but that's usually when you lose your mindset, you lose your faith, just drive right through that. And that's usually when you actually make your breakthrough, which is crazy. Um, right. The dip. Have you read that book? That That's, that's literally called that. A lot of people think they, they'll start off really good. They dip down and they'll stop at that low point but they don't realize that they're like literally just this close to just freaking skyrocketing. Well, yeah, it oscillates. It goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it goes down. There's highs and there's lows, just like anything in life. Your life is full of highs and lows. And that's what it is. I mean, my my uh, English teacher from high school, this guy, um, oh my God, I forget his name. Uh, he was the craziest son of a bitch I've ever known. Um, and uh, he used to say that one of those two. <laughs> life is like a train that you're sitting on where all you could see is just a tiny little hole and you could see only one thing happening at a time that's passing by you see a lot of barren land you see a lot of crap just trees are in the way it just looks all shitty but then boom the ravine opens up and it's a beautiful like mountainscape as you're going by you're like wow that's incredible and then it goes back to just like wall tree tunnel like it's just a lot of it is just crap 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 and then it's for the beautiful wow. that it's all worth it you take that train ride again because it was that serene that is very profound. I would not have expected that from high school like that. That, that guy's awesome. a lot of fucking acid, man. <laughs> He's seen some things that not many have seen. Maybe you, but not many. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so then what uh, entrepreneurs are built with something different. When did you know? Um, we talked Mr. a little Burgers. bit about where you're at. Mr. Burgers. Yeah. Burgers. German wife. There we go. Shout out, Mr. Burgers. I love it. Um, when did you know that you were cut from that different cloth? Did you have any story like... You were out hustling candy bars, selling them. Like, was it, did you have that type of story at all or what? No, no, no. Like so that? I'm considered like a sales guru out there now. And I, I've never sold anything until this business. I, I bartended and I, um, 
and I was a waiter, but that that's like the best form of sales. Bartenders make the best salespeople is what so many people have told me. And it's because you're more so a therapist. It's, it's, it's consultative. It's about how much people like you. It's not about the product or service. If you're trying to sell a product or service to sell a product or service, you're going to be a real shit salesperson. You're not going to sell anything. You're selling yourself and you're selling the experience. But you're selling the conversation between two people and you're creating a relationship. It's about building the rapport. They respect you. So people don't judge a book by its covers, what they tell you, but guess what? Every single fucking person does. And you have to live by that. As much as it pains me to say it, it's a fact. We are never going to get to that level as a species within this lifetime. Okay. Maybe later, but not within this lifetime. We're too far behind. Um, And that's the thing. It's just that it's, it's relationship driven and you need to think the way that other people think, put yourself in their shoes. If you can't do that, then you can't sell very well. You can't do, really be an entrepreneur because if you build it the way that you want, this is why VCs often take over companies is because you're building what you want and what you want is not what the people want. So he pushes forth the people want, except with a really evil objective behind it. So that's what screws up the whole thing. And so you need to be willing to accept the fact that what you want to build is probably not what's going to end up happening but you can't lose sight of the vision. You don't want to change the vision. It's just that the how has changed and the what has changed. Interesting. I like that distinction, the how and the what and the why. Vision's more why, would you agree Vision and your purpose do not shift. Your mission might. Do you have an example of that by chance that you could could share? I mean, democratizing AI, that became part of the vision. It was the mission before, but we have to focus first. We have to focus. And we have to focus on sales. We need to start niche and then move our way out of it and everything. And it took a while to understand what that was and what that meant. So that is not the, the, the mission right now is that we are trying to fix the sales industry that has been broken. We're trying to connect people to people at a personal level. We are trying to optimize business and we are trying to, I guess, put the people back into salespeople. I love when you say that. It's my favorite, one of your favorite lines, because like I, we're a neurotech company, neuro first, human first, biology first. And so when you say put the human back in and and have, because to me, technology should be used. It's a better tool. It shouldn't be replacing us. It should be augmenting us and helping us be better. And again, I think that's why we design so hard. And look where it's gotten us trying to have technology replace SDRs that automated messaging and all that shit. Now there's just spam everywhere. There's bots all over the place. Everybody, people now hate salespeople because half the time it's just a bot in the first place. It's Mm -hmm. ruined the entire dynamic of it. When a salesperson, if they're actually a good salesperson, they're trying to help you and they're trying to put a salve on a pain point and assist you throughout your process and your journey of finding out what you need to do to help your business or help yourself. It's, it's become, you know, people think salespeople are, oh, they're trying to sell me. They're trying to take my money. Right. Almost every, almost, almost every single salesperson that I know is in the game because they feel good when they help people and when their customers become successful. That's why they do it. 100%. Yeah, I can agree more. The console slate, I, I, I'm so blessed to have started my career with Sandler. Uh, you mentioned Sandler earlier. Marcus was was previous with Sandler um, and just getting that younger and younger. So that that is the spin that I love um, as we have, what, what future do you see for younger people that are looking to get into different types of sales roles and different types of things like that? Um, especially with education the way it is, I, I don't necessarily, one of the biggest reasons I in my exit from Sandler was I was thinking that younger people and skills up development um, of those types of skills would be something that they could focus on. Um, as far as young people looking to get in sales or learn those types of skills, what will that look like for them in the future, do you think? 
if you don't like people, don't get into sales. If you don't, if, if you don't like people, don't get into sales. Really, don't. All you do is talk to people. It needs to be people that love driving relationships, people that love to manipulate conversations, people that are interested in psychology because there's a lot of psychology in sales. The reason I'm so good oh, at yeah. sales, not just bartending, I just studied childhood psychology and relationship psychology. Fuck sales psychology. I read those books. Those, it's all a bunch of bullshit. It's just an offshoot from relationship psychology and, and childhood psychology. It's like the fake version of it. You learn more from studying the actual root of it because you understand why people are the way that they are. Oh, mm -hmm. someone keeps talking over you and they demand attention. I always, I just feel pity for them. I'm like, wow, they really were not loved as a child and they were often ignored by their parents. That's sad. I will let them take, get the attention they need because they crave it because it's been literally hard written into their brain that they must be the center of attention and they must be heard because no one listened to them when they were younger. So you feed that to them and then you can persuade them. And then what you have to do is that you have to plant the idea, but then you have to break it down, disqualify yourself, make them feel like, oh yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I want this, whatever. You, you Disqualify them. Just say, well, I guess it's not right for you. You're not ready for this type of a step forward. Your business, I don't know if the structure is really going to work out for that. And they go, oh no, well, my business is good enough for anything, you know? And then you just tie, it's like, oh, well, then you ask them questions, break it all down, have them contradict themselves entirely from what they just told you of why it's better or why they don't need it. They contradict it. They put, they poke all the holes in their own process themselves. You ask them, well, have you thought of this? And then they actually start thinking about it after they understand it. They go, you know what? I think it would be a good idea if we move forward. It's now their idea. You just told them about it. It's now their idea. Or they go, they go, wow, I never thought of that before. And then you go, well, what would you like to do next? And then, they, then they're selling themselves to you. As a salesperson, you never defend yourself. You never defend your product. And you never try to prove anything. If you're doing that, you're doing it wrong. They're already disqualified. Like, get, just get out of there. Um, and you can't talk yourself. You, you can talk yourself out of a sale. You can't listen to yourself out of a sale. That's what Marcus always told me. But oh, hell yeah. that's the thing is they will start defending themselves as the buyer reason why they're qualified. So they're proving to you why they are qualified to buy your product. And that's right where you want them. And then you fall back, you let them fall onto you. And that's the thing. Now, now they're selling themselves to you so that they can be a good customer. They're selling themselves as a customer to you. And then you ask them, well, what would you like to do next? You usually don't do that. If you know, they go, okay, they're going to ask you, what are the next steps and ask you, and then you tell them. So at the end of this type of a style of a sale, you say, well, what are you going to do next? And they go, well, how about the next steps? And then you explain it to them and then they tell you. So they've now sold themselves to you rather than you trying to sell them. That is the most powerful sale. And the people that I've done that with are some of the best customers I've ever had. Thousand percent. Yeah, no, no that's, uh, if you're looking for a great place to learn that type of stuff, Sandler is an awesome one. I, I will give them all the kudos on earth for that. Um, and teaching me that specific thing. A question I get asked a ton, and I did a special one was at Sandler that kind of brought up here a little bit was the difference. What is the difference to you between manipulation and influence? Like what, what are, or persuasion, influence, manipulation, persuasion, probably better one-on-one. -on -one. Manipulation. Okay. So persuasion and influence are the exact same thing. It's just a different word. People like influence better because it's, it's a nicer word, but they're synonyms. Um, persuading someone, influencing someone, it means that you're planting a seed of an idea so that it will influence their, their next course of action, right? Mm -hmm. Manipulating someone and manipulation. I hate it. How it has a negative connotation in that word, carving a piece of what is manipulating it. You're just changing it. So what right. you're doing is that I'll use that too. You're chiseling away at somebody 
and asking questions and you're manipulating the way that they're thinking so that they can think differently. So you're pushing them into a different course. Um, uh, like yourself, influencing is giving the idea and then it emotionally affected them in some way where they're going to make changes or take action on it because it affected them emotionally. Manipulating someone is the act of guiding them through that process instead of just putting it out there so they can make the decision themselves. Interesting. I've, the one that I've heard, I forgot who I heard this from, but persuasion is helping them do something, getting someone to do something that they have decided they want to do. And manipulation is getting them someone to do something that you want them to do, like me, like Cody. That's literally what I explained longhand. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so I was just, I love Exactly it. that. That was a good way to sum it up. <laughs> it's my job. Um, I love that. And so the uh, the the other one of the other complicated, large, huge topics I would be remiss to not dive into with you uh, would be AI and look, kind of breaking that down a little bit, making that more simple. Um, as someone who is younger, again, we, we my goal this is for a young audience, 18, 26 year olds, um, helping them kind of understand a little bit more about um, AI and how it can really help um, really help humanity as opposed to replace it necessarily. You know, there's a lot of people to get all worried and flustered and scared of AI, maybe kind of um, talk a little bit about that and what actually, when you peel back the onion, what it actually looks like, if there are the real fears, that kind of stuff. Well, you know, you know, it's just like, you know, the saying, um, guns don't kill people, people kill people. If you left a gun on a countertop for a hundred years, it would never fire. Right. It can't cock itself. It can't just randomly shoot a bullet. It's built not to do that. So guns don't people kill people, people kill people. It's the intention behind the tool that's built. So if you build AI, it won't just destroy humanity unless it was built as a weapon and used for negative or maniacal things or nefarious things of any type of sort. That is the reason why things become dangerous is because they were built for dangerous reasons. We just need responsible people building them for the right reasons. And you can put in protocols in there to keep it from doing what it's supposed to do. And that's why I don't agree with creating an actual, you know, thing that thinks for itself and does its own, it can do its own decision-making mathematically and all that good stuff. But if people are trying to design emotion into machines, which I don't think is smart because that's what separates us. That's when it starts making its own decisions and it starts right. creative on its own. And most of the data that's out there is negative or it's biased in some way. So it's learning from the data that humans put there. So it's inherently going to be biased. And if there's more bad stuff than good stuff out there and it's learning that stuff, then it's going to look at the bad stuff since there's more of it or if it's more relevant that that is the normal thing. So that's kind of the fear behind it. Um, I wouldn't say it's a scary thing whatsoever. It just depends on who builds it and what they build it for. That's really it. And to explain what AI is, is that <clears throat> really, it's just, um, well, they would have taken this in math, like this age group. It's, a, you know, you know, like an if then statement. Yeah, I I mean, even third grade, if it's red and it's crunchy, then it's an apple. If it's red and it's waxy, then it's a crayon. You know, it's like that. So if this, then that, if this, then that, if this, then that times a trillion, 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 that's a boosted tree. That's a form of, of, of uh, machine learning. So it's a bunch of if then statements. And then we start tying logic into that, where if this, then that, then that, then that, but then if this, then that, and then it ties into different solutions based off of the different patterns that are discovered, it'll find the path of least resistance for the highest success. So think of it as a giant game of chess. 
what there's 144,000 different um, patterns that you can follow playing the game of chess. If I'm incorrect, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's that I don't really remember the actual number, but it's somewhere around there. There's 144,000 moves that could be done and different ways to play the game of chess and win. Which way is the most efficient way to win? Well, it would be um, this, it's what is it? The scholar's gambit or whatever, where you, it's what, uh, four moves, checkmate. Wow. So that right there is the most efficient way to win. But if they move the wrong pawn, and they don't mirror your front pawn on the first move, you're never going to achieve that. So you can't get there. You can't do that move. So if that didn't work, what's the next best way to win the game? How do I win it fastest? So it's looking at every single possible outcome of how it could work with the variables that are there. So how the chessboard is set up, what's the best way and easiest way for it to win? That's what it's figuring out. I like that. And so then what about the, I know something I get asked a lot is, the difference between machine learning and AI, is there a difference? Is it a form? I know that when we have talked, it's a form, right? But so, so you, okay. How it's does that like, get confused? Like, um, so it's like Christianity, right? If you are a Christian, you're a Christian. If you're a Catholic, you're a Christian. But if you're a Christian, you're not necessarily a Catholic. That same thing. So AI is always going to be machine learning but machine learning is not necessarily ai gotcha so and then, then it's what not would necessarily be... machine learning either because you can have automated programs that are algorithmic but it's not machine learning it's just statistical algorithms like there's different levels of it um then there's deep learning deep learning is a form of ai so it goes deeper um but there's three main different kinds of artificial intelligence out there which i would challenge people to um, just, you know, look it up, find a quote, find like an actual, you know, quality source to look that up, but there's three different kinds of AI out there. And, um, I'm not going to explain what they are because we would be sitting here for like another 30 minutes. <laughs> I like that. Um, uh, the, uh, the, it's a fun one and it's not as scary as people really think it is. The, the, I think I've heard you explain AI simply as it, instead of, at least between machine learning and AI or what traditional is, is that AI can make an outcome or it's not, it, it can make a prediction. It's not just being or supervised machine learning. Told. And supervised machine learning Supervised right, machine yeah. learning means that the stupid human with all the bias told it exactly what it wants, what it wants it to do, what the rules are and what the outcome is. Unsupervised machine learning, you give it a bunch of data. It looks at all of it and says, this is the best way to use this data. And this is what it's for based off of everything that's there. So it decides for you and does all the logic because what you think is going to be wrong most of the time because humans have such a limited thinking. Right, right. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, and so the, uh, the one of the questions, my favorite questions to ask uh, semi in, in rap is what, what is a question that, that you wish more people asked you? You don't get asked it as much, but what is one that you wish more people asked? Oh, people ask me a lot of questions, man. Um... I can come up with like 50 of them right now that I wish they asked less of. Uh, but <laughs> uh, let me see a question that I wish people asked me that I didn't get asked that often. I don't even really know. Oh, why do you like making stupid decisions? <laughs> okay, well, let, let's hear. Why, why do you like making stupid decisions, Rob? I'll be the first to ask you. And <laughs> no, this is like socially, this is not like business wise or anything like that. It's like just just doing ridiculous things 
just making dumb decisions. Um, the reason why is because I see. Well, well do you have like a like an, a tame example potentially, or one you're comfortable sharing potentially to just to frame up what you mean by that? Uh, like uh, walk up to like a fifty-something-year-old guy at a mall, hold his hand, and say, "Are you my dad?" And then his entire <laughs> life and every woman he's ever had sex with flashes before his very eyes. Hilarious. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> yeah. That stuff like that, where it's humiliation is not even like a real thing. Like you're never going to see that person again, but it, it's the reason I like doing it is because the outcome is so much more exciting. I think in networks and patterns, I think of so many possible outcomes for every single action that I take like a ridiculous amount that it gets boring after a while. So I like doing ridiculous things and making stupid decisions like that, just so I can see what, what a, a ridiculous outcome would be like and what it would be like to experience it. It's pattern fun. interrupts. <laughs> yeah, pattern interrupts, really, yeah. Kind of break the monotony. That's interesting, I like that. Um, and so then the, uh, the, the kind of the, the last question I, I typically ask is advice. You've given a lot of advice and it's usually framed up, I'm talking to someone older, um, but this is not like the, the like, oh, work harder, be, have grit, BS type thing. Something that no, you no, use no, no. Work smart, every hard. day. People are stupid for saying work harder because you're working harder. You're not working smart because the reason you're working hard is because you're not working smart. There we go. Um, so something that's a little bit less like less than that, but something maybe it's something you use every day. Maybe it's something that you wish you knew when you're even younger than you are. Um, what what would be some type something like that 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 uh, you could sink your teeth into? Yeah, listen to the market. That's like number one. Number two is that <laughs> nobody cares what you think. Okay. So whose ideas are the best ideas? Every single person who just heard that said in their own head, their own tiny little head, my ideas. You know why? Because they're <laughs> yours. Yeah, yeah. Your ideas are not the best ideas. Get the fuck over yourself. That's what. And how do you do that? How, how have you had to do that? Especially um, running as big a company. By being you. smart enough to accept the fact that the, the world doesn't revolve around you. That, that's it. And also another thing is that success and, and getting from point A to point B, like reaching your goals quite literally is a decision. It's a decision. You want to do it. You know you could do it. You will get there. It's literally a decision. And to meditate. Meditation helps you come to terms with yourself because you cannot understand people around you. You cannot understand the world until you understand yourself. Hell yeah. I, do you have a specific form? I love meditation myself too. And it's one I feel like young people don't get. They think it's kind of kumbaya in the forest. Is there a specific form that you use most? Like tea or uh, transcendental is a huge one. Transcendental meditation, visualization. What What's your... I you like visualization. Uh, I like mindful meditation. I like... Um, opulence meditation um i haven't heard of that what's that help me with that one i haven't heard of that uh, one before you'll love, it. you'll love it um just look it up you'll love it just do one tonight uh and i i like um increase meditations you know things increase. like that um and then i also like uh uh what what's the meditation where you just try to like just flush out everything it's like so you go completely numb and then you're just disconnected it's um that's transcendental that, is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then, then that one too. I didn't think I would did that one, but I never actually knew the name. That's the one that I, t I learned how to do that on my own because I always just kind of did it because it was helpful to me. I, I just never knew it had like a name. Like focus on your breathing or a certain sound or something like that. And oh no, beyond that. Down. 
beyond that, I don't focus on my breathing. I don't focus on anything. Uh, I've got the weird gift to be able to just shut my brain off completely. Like it's just TV static. I could just stop thinking. Interesting. Okay. I like that. <laughs> I would love to uh, dissect your brain sometime, brother. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It'd be weird, man. What does that look like then? Well, what do you mean? You just shut yourself off. There's no auto thoughts. I mean, it seems at the level, at the surface from my neuroscience perspective, seems somewhat impossible. What do you mean by that? That's what pretty much everybody told me, but no, I could just shut it off. I'm not thinking about anything. Interesting. Does that, do you think tie back to your uh, experience with um, death from earlier in your life? It seems no, I've been to be... able to do that since I was like a little kid. I, I started doing that. I, mean, I think I was about four and a half years old. That's interesting. I like that. The, I thought uh, it was a normal thing. Like uh, so many girlfriends hated me that I had in the past because they're like, what are you thinking about? And I, I'd be staring at a wall. They'd be like, oh, what's wrong? What do you think about? I'd be like, I'm not thinking about anything. And they'd be like, no, no. What do you think? Like, literally, I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just, uh, I'm not at all. And they'd be like, you don't tell me anything. I'd be like, I, I'm literally trying to tell them I'm not thinking at all. Like it's off. I've, I've shut it off. Like it's. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. No, I, so <laughs> For those of you who are not atypical like Rob, superhuman man over here, um, one of then the last thing I was asking, what superpowers do you think you you've had um, the uh, or have helped you the most? You've collected that kind of stuff. Seems like that would be one because I feel like that would help so many people, um, especially anxiety, depression, those types of things are often questions that are kind of untamed inside your thought or thoughts that are untamed. Um, are there any other superpowers you think that you you've collected over there over your your years here that you think have helped you? Probably a few, but listen, I do have to hop into another meeting, so I do have to go. I'm so sorry, Cody, but I will hit you up later. We can continue this conversation if you'd like. Hell yeah, bro. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Peace out, bro. Cheers.